What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What is up, everybody? It's Johnny King. Another episode of the Johnny King Show, and I'm excited to have uh, an amazing guest coming all the way from Grass Valley, California, uh, Adrian Emerald. Is that right? Is that pronounced that right? Emerald, but nobody pronounces Emerald. it right, so oh, <laughs> it's yeah. all good. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It gets stuck in my head one way or the other. Uh, dude, thanks for being on. I'm excited to, to chat about all things life and personal development and business and relationships and um, but it's good to have you on. How you been? Johnny, um, I appreciate being on here, man. Um, it's yeah. good to catch up with you. Uh, sorry, my, I have a dog that's like deciding she needs to come in my office right now. So. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, it's all good. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I love talking about this stuff. I think a yeah. lot of things that you and I have talked about are um, amazing. And I think it's a conversation that more men can benefit from having, which we really yeah. don't. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point of my podcast. Um, and it's just more or less... I guess, showcasing guys being able to be guys while still being able to connect to, you know, uh, greater emotional intelligence or, or whatever, whatever the, the pain is or the wounded child, whatever those con concepts and conversations that we may not have been accustomed to having with our fathers, you know? So um, I've just had a lot of great conversations with guys like you who are also then paying it forward and, and teaching their kids to, to kind of raise their game, you know, and I think through that we'll change, we'll change the world <laughs> from generation to generation going forward. So yeah, well, just... having, having kids is a pretty good way to see your own shit, man, because you're like, this is the way it should be. And then you realize like, you know, you yell at your kids and while you're yelling at them, you're telling them to stop yelling. Right. Stuff yeah. like that, where you're like, yeah. Whoa, uh, maybe, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have these standards and ideals you want them to live up to. And it's kind of yeah. hypocritical if you're not facing your own stuff. So <laughs> yeah. Little, little mirrors into ourselves for sure. Uh, that's a great way to say it. And sometimes they're giant blaring mirrors into ourselves. It's blinding. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. Thank God. And the, I mean, sometimes their, their lack of, uh, you know, what's the word jadedness and everything else can be uh, really inspiring. A lot of times the, the, the answers I know from a lot of my buddies who have kids and like, dude, my little one gives me the answers to all these things. It's just, they make it, they see the world so clearly, you know, um, that's pretty powerful. You have three kids, right? Yeah. I have a daughter who's about to turn 16. I have a son who j recently turned 14 and I have a nice. son who recently turned nine. Nice. <laughs> Those are fun, fun times, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> they're, busy. They're they're busy. They're, they're all very different. Um, they all have their own gifts and uh, yeah. yeah, they will say, I mean, we, they come out really connected to source and yeah. it's only like as they get older and as we, um, you know, we project our own bullshit into their lives and they start yeah. to lose that innocence and that, that connectedness because they say the most profound things sometimes you're like, you know, and, and because they don't articulate very well, it's like very concise. It's in like mm -hmm. three sentences and it's, 
profound. Like I, I think of, I had a memory come up on Facebook the other day that my nine-year-old, when he was about five, he laid in bed with us in the morning and he's, he goes, mommy, the brain is not the important, most important part of your body. It's your heart. Cause that's where your soul lives. Mm. <laughs> and then he runs out of the room and you that's know, it. starts playing with Legos. And I'm like, whoa <laughs> seriously little, where'd that uh, come from <laughs> little guru exactly exactly oh, i love it so you got three uh three kiddos you've been married for 19 years if i remember correctly and yeah i think it's 18 um let me think um yeah what's 21 i got married 18 years ago yeah i've been with my wife for 21 awesome awesome that's that's huge because i think um unfortunately in the world that we live in that you know lasting relationships beyond five years can be an achievement these days. So you're, you're doing, you're doing something right. Although I know you also said when we were, you know, chatting before we started recording that it's not been easy. I don't know what uh, relationship has been easy, but. Yeah, I think I'm um, about two years ago, um, maybe three years ago, we just, a lot of midlife stuff comes in and, you know, there's people that talk about the seven year cycles. And I mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, you, you're with anybody for a long time, your um, our unconscious tendencies and patterns come up and you know each other well and you find ways to trigger each other. And, uh, you know, we had, that was the hardest two years of my life. Um, mm. Very, very, very hard. I, I would say all the pillars of my identity that I identified as what I was good with outside of my relationship all came crashing down in a couple of years. So it's like, you're left with, you know, it's like, if you're like, well, my relationship's falling apart, but at least my business is doing good. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, well, if my business and my relationships one part, at least my knee, I don't have a torn meniscus so I can train for a marathon. Like you had, yeah. and so it's like, they all sort of were removed from me at the same wow. time. And it's like, you're just sitting there, you know, like, who am I? What's going on? What's everything I planned in my life is going in the wrong direction. And then mm-hmm. it was really hard. And we were fortunate, very, very fortunate to both be committed to, um, at some point pretty quickly in that process, within a couple of years meeting in a place where we're like, okay, we both have our own shit to face and work on this and we do care about each other, but um, it, it's a process. I mean, I'm still, we're still doing weekly emotional therapy. I forgot what the technique is called that this lady does with us, but um, mm-hmm. every week. Um, and there's times I still I'm like, I don't want to get on here today, Yeah. Um, but I know that um, feeling is healing. So got to move through some of this stuff. Yeah. hundred percent feeling is healing. It's just like, uh, working. It's just like, it's just like everything else. It's, it's a lot of times there's times that we're going to do things when we're inspired and there's times we're going to do things when we're totally not inspired, but you got to keep working out. You got to keep taking your, your wife out on date nights. You got to keep spending quality time with your kids, even if you're exhausted and everything else. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, uh, yeah, I think you, know, you, you bring up an analogy that I heard people talk about being motivated and I'm like, well, motivation is crap, dude. I'm more considered with commitment, right? Because yeah. commitment is what are you doing after the feeling that you had when you made that commitment has left your body, right? (laughs) When you don't have that motivation anymore, (laughs) now what do you do, right? Like, and um, you know, and when things get hard and and it's, I mean, in a lot of situations, it's blurry. It can become very clouded and blurry what the right answer is like. There's also a fine line between commitment and stupidity, right? So, uh, I mean, I I don't necessarily know where that, that razor's edge is, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to move with it as it, as it moves in my life. Mm-hmm. I know you, it's like, uh, I watched shark tank or the profit and there's plenty of times when you're like, they're like, how much money have you put in this? Like, uh, $250,000. Like what? You know, you're like, this is the worst idea ever. But then how, again, how do you, how do you define 
that line of demarcation, like you said, between stupidity and like 100% commitment, showing up, perseverance, you know, not taking no for an answer, all those things. And I, and I bring that up because I know that, you know, for those that are listening and who don't know you, you know, you're a personal finance coach, investor, entrepreneur, right? You've, you've built sales and marketing teams that have done over 350 million in sales, you know, so you've done a shit ton. You've also done what, uh, you qualified for the Boston marathon. I think you said for in the first attempt, you know, over 40. One for one. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Dude, it's crazy. Um, I just love that you're how many different things you've got going on. I think you also told me that um, you released an EP album in in the EDM genre, which is awesome. I love EDM. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, specifically a progressive house was released in 2018. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's just, um, I, I, when I decide to do something, I mean, most of the time I don't decide to commit, but when I do, um, I can can be somewhat focused. I love it. <laughs> That's, it's huge. It's awesome. I want to know, is that, uh, is that album, album on Spotify or? Actually, it's on Spotify. It's also on iTunes. That My artist name is called Costanza. So it's K-A. Yeah. And you know what that's from. But most people that listen to that kind of music don't even know who that is. So I love yeah. it. But it's spelled differently. It's spelled with a K. Okay. So it's K-A-S-T-A-N-A. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's like, I think the EP has like six tracks on it. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't like a massive hit or anything like that, but it was like more for, for me, it's like, I love that kind of music. I've been in and out um, DJing as a hobby and, mm-hmm. and making music for years. And it was like, okay, I'd like to do something worthy enough that some label wants to sign it and release it. And, um, you know, that happened and uh, totally, it was, it was great, but you know, it's kind of like anything. I remember the first song I ever made and, sent to a label and it's like you're like this is you know it, it's almost like you're in second grade and you're like i just wrote like you know like a new york times best-selling novel and your teacher comes back and just f right on the paper because they're telling you you know you think you you're so good and you're still so amateur at some of this stuff um so can you hear me okay Do i still have you there yeah i can hear you just fine are we uh, i can hear you johnny can you hear me Oh, there we go. Check something real quick. Can you hear me, man? Yeah, sorry. I don't know if that was me or if that was you. I think it might have been me and my internet. I could have been me. Um, I've like the last three days in a row, sometime around this time, my internet's gone out for like five minutes, but it, really? I just checked it and it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not sure if it was me or not, but uh, either way, uh, that's, that's the life we live in with the technology, but uh, I lost it towards the end of that. I think I'm still recording, which is great. Um, yeah. You're still recording. I can see. Um, yeah. I was just saying like, you know, you, you make your first song and you think it's good enough to send to a label. It's kind of like, write an essay and you think, man, I'm going to sort of New York times bestselling book or, and then you turn it into the teacher in school or the label in this case. And it comes back with a giant F on it yeah, and yeah. you're just crushed. And you're like, man, they just don't know. And then I go back five years later to something I worked on five. I'm like, that was pretty terrible. Like I just yeah. wasn't that good yet, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, that's outside of like personal preference and music. It's like, you just <sighs> listen to the production quality or other things, but um. Yeah, that was fun. I haven't been working on too much music recently. I just, you know, been busier doing other things. My interests sort of changed, but I still have a studio and definitely can uh, see myself being back into it at some point. 
That's pretty sweet. No, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think you're absolutely right. There can be, well, I mean, even you can look at our own personal styles, you know, you go back and you look at your, your hair, and your clothes, <laughs> you know, and you're like, what was I thinking? You know, I mean, I'm even sporting my uh, Cinco de Mayo mustache right now. And yeah, I yeah. know right now it's, it's not a good look for me, but that's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to roll it out anyways. I but, can refer uh, to it as more as like the porn star mustache. It's like yeah. nice and thick. Yeah. I've got uh, a really thick mustache and if I shave everything and wear it, I, I've done that before in my, yeah. My wife is like, you're not going out in public like that, are you? And my my daughter, even a couple of years ago, I did that. She looked at me. She's like, Dad, you just look terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but there's something to, to be said about that and what you were just saying, which is like whether it's an EP album, I'm writing a book right now. There's a part of it, even with the, the podcast at times, it's like at some point, it's like uh, Mark Manson's book, you know, um, you know, having having just few fucks to give. And just not, you know, my life is so much better the more confident I get and the less I care about the noise, you know, of people's opinions. Right. Just just doing your thing. And if you if it brings you joy and it's it's all part of the process, well then that's that's it. But I do feel like so many people are scared to put themselves out there that they don't take any action and then they end up regretting later on in life, you know, because everything's a process of you of learning, obviously. So I think we underestimate the amount of effort it might take to become proficient at something too mm -hmm. right like like um i the only way i could have got to where like in that case like like the amount of work that went into even running a marathon let alone running fast enough to qualify for boston or yeah. the amount of work that went into getting to the point where an album respond a label even responds to you and says this isn't quite good enough or hey do you have anything else is like and that takes just years of trial and error of, of, of subtle things. Like if you were to listen to something, you'd be like, that definitely doesn't sound as good as this, but I don't know why to where you get to the point where you're like, now I can hear the difference and I know what they did so I can recreate that. And it's, it's subtle things that make a big difference. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like the style of music that you like. I'm just talking about production quality, right? Like yeah, yeah. why does that, why does that bass drum or that kick drum sound good there? And it sounds crap here. Right. It's, yeah. And so little things like that, um, they just take time. And, um, and you're right. People get afraid of putting themselves out there. We get afraid of that rejection. We get rejected. And, you know, sometimes you just got to say, like you said, Mark's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And yeah. then the other one is, um, yeah, sometimes you got to listen yeah. and, uh, and get better. And I think that's really, that's the process of life is knowing when to say, no, I'm just going to put myself out there. I don't care. And yeah. maybe that criticism has some merit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's, uh, I forget what age it is, but there's something so precious about little kids before they start becoming aware of other people's opinions, you know, and they just do, and they say whatever they think. It's just like, Oh, it's amazing. And then you start to see the filter, you know, uh, start to kick in in the brains. And it's like, Oh, uh, you, you know, don't lose that, that innocence. Yeah, the but ego comes on board, right? Totally, starts, totally. And we, we tend to, a lot of people tend to think ego just means that like, Oh, that guy's got a big ego. Like he's mm -hmm. arrogant or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, no, there's just as much of a victim ego and a, a, a fear ego. Mm -hmm. as a, that's probably the biggest one. It, it, it shuts us yeah. down. It keeps us from putting ourselves out there because we start totally. to suddenly care too much what people think. Totally, totally. Let's talk about that just in terms of your life. What, what have been some of the bigger things that you're proud of, whether it be the marathon, your marriage, business with the kids? What is it has that where that ego and that fear, <laughs> that pain body, if you will, 
came up the most, screaming the most, but you were still, you're still proud of how you pushed through it. Do you have any ideas of anything that comes to mind? I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, I think you probably, I don't know if you heard this saying, and I forgot who said it first, but I stick to me all the time. It says the road to success leads straight through the dump, Mm. you know? And so um, the thing is, is I know that in whether it's the years in business where days go good, days go bad, or going through a rough spot in my relationship or, um, being scared to death of some of the workouts that I've written that I have to do to get in shape to run the marathon and not, yeah. you know, and being in the middle of it and just being like, I don't know how this is going to go, right? This sucks. But um, when you, and I, we can joke about it, but every time I'm back in the dump, like my ego kicks in, oh, this is so bad. I can't believe I'm, I'm never going to make, and then you get on the other side of it. You're like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I'm yeah. better off because of it. And I think, oh. um, I think um, a couple of things that come to mind is, um, mile 23 of the marathon i was like i was ready to drop out like i'm like i don't care at this point like i actually started questioning like what am i doing with my life like mm-hmm. this is what i'm doing for fun mm-hmm. like i'm i'm in i, I was in i was in the week in the run my runner friends and i would call it the bad place right i was in the bad place yeah and right. um <laughs> sometimes i go to the bad place and I'm, I'm i'm looking for a fight and other times i'm in the bad place and i am just getting hammered and yeah. and um and it was like like I had chills I couldn't really see straight I'm like and then I started like okay am I getting to the point where um I might be I mean I'm, I'm I was 41 when I did that I wasn't 21 so it's like my body can handle this um you know and it's really really hard I think finishing though like I'm really grateful that I did because you get that sense of accomplishment um I can think in one of my business relationships many years ago that was a very good relationship for years uh I thought it was going to end kind of like, it's like, I'd look at it like you've been married for 12 years and you love this person and you just want to, Hey, I love you. Let me give you a hug. And what's kind of part amicably. And you go to hug them and they kick you in the balls and then threaten you with a lawsuit. And you got to get a lawyer and mm-hmm. it just gets really, I've never been to that. So it's scary because I, I, I think what it is, is we're afraid of uncertainty. We, totally. we want, we're totally afraid of uncertainty. We're afraid of uncertain outcomes. So we don't put ourselves out there. In that case, I was afraid of the unknown, but, the problem is, is if you put yourself in a situation where everything's predictable, your your soul dies, right? Like, I mean, if I put you in prison right now, you knew what time you were getting up, when you were getting fed, what you were getting fed. Like, you know, that that uncertainty is what makes life worth living. And then we're also scared of it. So that was really hard, man. And I, I think on the other side of it, I'm a better businessman because of it. I actually have more compassion and more empathy for people, I think, that have gone through hard stuff. Um, I'm certainly a much better husband, uh, a better person for what I went through with my wife. That was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, I have some really deep seated stuff that, um, I mean, there's certain parts, which we're, when we're trying to be aware, we're, we're okay. I'll look at this. I have no problem talking about this. And people think you're so awake because something that's not uncomfortable, it's not very uncomfortable for them to talk about is not uncomfortable for me to talk about. But then the, the really dark place where you got to go, where you really got to face, you know, face the, um, maybe your deepest fears. And, um, you know, I just wasn't ready to do that until I was losing the person that I love more in the world. Like my thought, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, I mean, I was so low during that Johnny where I remember at one point I woke up several times. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat for weeks. I lost like 30 pounds in a couple of months. And um, I was like, death has got to feel better than this because I just couldn't, I was so low and so rotten. And, um, but that really depth of that being that deep, um, really caused me to do a lot of self-reflection and, fa- and be willing to face some of the, like, instead of blaming her, 
or blaming them. I mean, now granted, I had some very, very strong people that absolutely, I mean, I'm going to get emotional talking about it. Absolutely saved, saved me from being really stupid mm -hmm. for some of the advice they were giving me. Mm -hmm. And I'll always be grateful to them, but you kind of have a choice. I can, my ego can come out and I can blame, or I can soften and say, no, no, what, what am I committing to this? That is part of the problem. And, um, and that's an ongoing process, dude. Like we're still, still working through some of that stuff, but I'm, I'm way more empathetic. I look at some of the ways that I showed up for 10 years in my marriage that I'm embarrassed about and um, mm. I'm able to do them better. But I, I don't think I ever would have learned that had I not been, you know, been in the bad yeah. place there too, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Uh, likewise, been there, been there, done that to some degree also. Um, if you don't mind me, you know, and, and share what you want to share, what you don't want to share, obviously, but what was it that you found at least speaking, taking responsibility for yourself and your own actions. What, what do you feel like was coming up during those two years or prior to that had to be shed, that had to be broken through, that had to be faced? What was the dump? <laughs> that you had to go well, I think, personally? I mean, I can talk about it in my own personal experience. Um, my parents divorced when I was two and um, I have no memory of them together. And the only memories I do have of them are my, like my old youngest, first memory of my parents is my mom throwing a shoe through the window of my dad's house and my dad calling the police on her. They're screaming. My sister and I, older sister, were hiding under her bed, like scared. And they, I was never physically threatened in their houses. Like my, my mom taught inner city school. Her house was in the, not in the nicest part of town, but she wasn't, we weren't like poor. We were just, yeah. she was just lower middle class. My dad was like upper middle class, but they also were very self-absorbed. Like he had my stepmom. She had other things going on with my foster brother. And so I had a lot of things with, with my love language and how I wanted to be loved that my parents weren't able to give me. Mm. And so um, that created a lot of this. Um, I think it created a situation where I, I, I closed myself off in certain ways and I got, um, I, what's the word I'm looking for? I got, There were, I had a lot of shame and guilt around that. Like, I wish, why, why don't my parents love me? Which they do. Every, they do. They just, but it's one of those things. Why don't they love me the way I want them to love me? Yeah. Or I, why don't they show up for me the way I want them to? Now, I took a lot of work to be able to even see that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then there's a lot of shame and guilt. And so if I, sometimes when I show up in relationship and I show up where uh, my wife is coming and talking to me in a way which is like... Um, hey, there's this thing that I think we could work on and grow together, I very quickly get defensive. Like I'm being told I'm not good enough. And what I'm really saying is, see, I'm not lovable. Just like that, I can't, it's not safe for me to be vulnerable. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. And that, so, so I think a lot of my accomplishment like in my life was to basically trying to earn my parents' love. Like I had to, I had to accomplish. I had to go out there and start a business when I was young. I had to make money. I'm going to run a marathon. I have to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I'm going to release an album. Like, like I, I mean, I can go on and on. It's all these things that I had to do to not recognize. I'm just trying to earn the love of my parents, which, which you're never going to do. And really, you've got to, you've got to decide to learn to love yourself the way that you want those people to love you. And so, and that still shows up. I can still, even though I know that, I can feel that deep pathway in my brain. Um, pretty much every single time we're in a therapy call, which is once a week, something will come up and I hear my wife's words and I know what she's saying is not what I'm interpreting as. And I can still feel all the defenses come up that shut me down. It's like, we, it, it's just verification that I'm, I'm not lovable basically. 
And um, that has nothing to do with her. That, that has entirely to do with my own filter, right? And um, it's it's um, that's probably been the hardest thing that I've really had to face because, you know, when when you're really getting close to real emotional healing, there there's some pretty big walls there. Like mm-hmm. we build defenses as children, so we, you know, to stay safe, so to speak. And as adults, those things don't serve us because we we interpret everything through maybe the way we grew up. And um, yeah, all of this shit that I'm talking about was like when I only started learning this out of desperation, mm-hmm. my, my marriage was falling apart. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I don't, and again, miracle, I don't want to call it miracles or um, you know, divine intervention, but the people that came into my life and that I was became, have started forming relationships at that point were like, I mean, I have goosebumps talking about it. It's just, they, they absolutely saved my life and saved my, my marriage because I, I don't know what I would have done had I not had people pointing me in those directions to do this, this level of, because you have other friends that are like, man, fuck that bitch. You just need to go bang some chick and get drunk. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, um, I, I don't think that's going to help me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of, I mean, most people, that's how we deal with it. I have another friend who went through a divorce about the same time. And they say things like, nah, I saw her true colors. I'm like, no, you saw her wounded child and your wounded child is seeing her wounded child. That's in all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of this sort of info out there, but this is the way it is. And it only, it only makes things worse. So I was really fortunate to have very good people around me at that time. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I've been through a divorce as well and, and can, can speak to, to that too, just having uh, people kind of come out of the woodworks, you know, people I wouldn't thought think that we're going to be so supportive end up being, you know, angels. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, even to this day, over a decade after that relationship, I'm still dealing with woundings of my childhood having to do with my parents. Uh, you know, and you, and you hear Tony Robbins talk about, it, and I've talked about it before on other episodes, it's like you're, who you are today is, you know, your blueprint established by, whomever's love of your parents that you craved more, you know, you, I had my mom's love more, but I craved my dad's cause he was a workaholic. He was absent. But then in my m- most recent coaching call last week, I, we were talking about, Oh, I still have a, a mother wound, a mom wound that I need to, to massively grieve. And to, I'm like, Oh God, there's such a part of me. I'm like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. This is hard, but it's like, well, if that's the case, then, then, then don't get frustrated with myself. If, if I keep seeing the same patterns pop up in relationships, you know, so I'm like, this is, this is worth it to me. And it's, it's worth it to me to be able to pass along to other men in doing the same work and not to pay it forward to my future children, let's say, you know, so pretty cool that you've done the work too, man. Like that's, it's like getting kicked in the emotional junk. I'm doing the work, (laughs) right? Like, like I, with uh, you know, but um, you know, you bring up that point of like, I you have friends who move around the country and they, they'll do different lives. And they're like, man, no matter where I go, you know, they're like, I always have the same problems. And I'm like, have you looked for the same one common denominator, which is you, and that's really just your filters. And I think going through this process, it's I used to I used to be like, I used to have lack of empathy for that. Like, if I had something figured out that somebody else didn't, I'd be like, person's just lazy or they just don't get it. Like, yeah, and. Yeah. Now I think I think going through this has given me a lot more empathy to realize like I don't have everything figured out and I I believe I don't believe in 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 I don't want to say original sin I believe like in original innocence and so 
I think that everybody is a good person and, you know, we all have dark parts. We all have our woundings. And at the end of the day, I think most people just, they're all looking for the same things. We want to have peace of mind. We want to have a quality of life. Um, we want to be loved. And just like I have hurt people with my wounds, other people hurt people in different ways. And it's given me empathy to just say, hey, man, my, my I don't want to sound like a martyr, but my cross to bear looks different than yours. And just because what's easy for me might be hard for you, what's hard for me might be really easy for somebody else. So um, it's, it, it's really helped me just, I think, have a lot more compassion for people and just, just soften men and not, not be so passively competitive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I think it's, um, I think it's cool how you, I, I just like the way that you've approached your own personal growth. And it's, again, there's so many people that, that the ego pops up is like, Oh, I'm, I'm woke, you know, and I've, you know, I've done my work and it's like, man, you a, the work never ends, you know, for one B, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make you more significant because you've, you know, begun to start handling your shit, but I'm, I'm kind of curious for you. Was it something that you were always self-aware or was it something that like, was it the, the marriage challenges or what was it that finally woke you up to be like, Oh shit, I need to take responsibility for my own stuff and face it day in and day out and do the work. Yeah. I think, um, you know, what, just one thing you mentioned, you know, I know I'm sure you know who JP Sears is, but he talks about, he has a joke called competitive spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm more spiritual than you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just sort of, <laughs> you know, you, that, that, that concept in the self is just funny. I'm sure you understand the humor in that because it doesn't, yeah. you know, that's your ego right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, it started, um, I've always, my father always said ever since I was young, I saw the world differently. I think that's why I've never had a job. I've always been self-employed. I, I was, I was never a good employee. Um, I, I got good grades, but I never was interested. I did it maybe because I thought I was expected to. Um, And so I just never, even before I knew about being an entrepreneur or or being self-employed, I I look back and I'm like, I was always destined to go that way because I just, in the background, I just questioned things. I would, I would see things and I'd be like, everyone's doing that. I'm like, but it doesn't make sense. Right. Like why, why, you know, I, I, so there's just a way that I sort of view the world. And, and so that helped. And then my high school cross country coach, um, uh, I was very talented as a runner, but I was, there was a lot of flaws in my character and it had me dropping out of races. It had me not training as hard and he could see so much potential. And, um, he was the first man in my life to really, if you did well, he celebrated you. And, but if you didn't, and he, he called you out and it didn't matter. Like, and I'm, I'm not talking to you about whether you beat somebody else, he's holding us accountable to what he saw as our own potential. Totally. So we, we could have the seventh fastest guy on our team on my team. Like my, my, one of my best friends was one of the top five best runners in the country. Wow. And so he went, he won a scholarship to U of A. I mean, he's one of top 10 all time from runners from that school and, and his distance, like, and that's a very prestigious school, right? Like very good athlete. And I remember once he sat down, like we had one of our guys who was at the time had was trying to break the five minute mile, which I mean, most of us had done that when we were freshmen and he's a senior trying to do it. And um, he did it. And our coach, now my, my other teammate basically ran the fastest mile, the second fast mile in the country that same weekend. My coach didn't talk about that. He talked about the kid who was, he's like, I, I remember it clicked. talking about victories. Like this guy just ran a 12 second PR in the last race of this. He's, and he was, he was ecstatic about it because he saw this kid finally broke through, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's what he did. And he really held me accountable um, to just 
taking responsibility and learning about work ethic and learning that like talent only takes you so far. And, and I saw a lot of my own demons um, because when you're one thing about running as a sport is that um, you can't pass the ball. Mm. (laughs) I mean, you can't, you don't get a sub. I mean, in, in cross country, it's an individual sport, but like you have seven guys in your team, the first five guys score and the lowest score wins. So if you finish first in the race, you get one point. If you finish 15th in the race, you finish 15th. So as a team sport, the, the, the fifth guy is just as important as the first guy, right? In terms of his, how he scores. And so you have five guys that are out there basically working through their own stuff individually, trying to collectively get somewhere as a team. That was really influential for me. Um, he helped me get to the point where I could run in college. Um, and I think that that, that just helped me with, learning to a lot of self-reflection right Mm. but you can you learn self mostly what we do is we learn self-reflection and things that are the least challenging areas first the least threatening areas first the least fearful areas first and i got pretty good at, at reflecting on things that made that made me better at getting recognition whether it was running or being successful in business or, you know, really good at those things. Cause that was me trying to earn perceived love. But the problem with is when you get in a relationship with someone for 15 years and you want to get close to them, then they start to see the, I don't want to say the real you, but they start to see all of your hard parts. They start to see your hard parts too. And mm-hmm. then that's when the real work starts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had no idea how to do that. I mean, I did know how to do that, but it was so scary that I had no idea how to do that. So I needed guides, people that would just love me through the process and um, support me and also tell me that like, no one can do this for you, but you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What, a, what a metaphor though, in terms of, uh, you're right, in terms of, it's, it's almost like it's overused doing quote unquote, the work you know, to evolve, which I feel like the vast majority of the guys and the gals that are listening to this podcast are those type of people who are aware enough to know that like, I'm, I'm listening to this because I'm investing in myself and hopefully I can get some type of nugget that gets, gets me to open or see something in a different perspective, but you're right. You can't pass the ball, you know, and you can't, <laughs> you have to keep doing it. You can't, you can't uh, obviously, slough off and, and stop doing the work yourself. It's just, it's like your own personal health. You have to take responsibility. Otherwise yeah. no one's going to do it for well, you. And this, this is the easy part, right? Because neither one of us are triggered in this moment. We're not sitting here having any fears. We're sort of talking about this stuff because we, we like the end result. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here talking about how wonderful it is on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I mean, like going through the dump, like it always sucks in the dump. And the dump is when you get scared and you know, you're getting close to something when your ego is making every possible excuse to leave the situation or don't do this or blame somebody else. Or, I mean, you know, I, I think what I learned from, from, you know, one of the organizations I was with is, is, um, you know, it's always my fault. Meaning, meaning that like, no matter what somebody does to me, I choose the experience I'm having in that moment. Mm-hmm. That when you realize like there's a responsibility prayer we used to recite and, and I forgot exactly what it like the things, but it's called the responsibility prayer. It's like, I choose what I see mm-hmm. and I choose the feelings that I have mm-hmm. and anything that appears to happen to me happens to me as I have asked. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are going to want to wake up, that's a fucking hard one to swallow. Yeah. Because we all want to take responsibility on the easy things. 
But, you know, if my wife just yelled at me and my relationship's falling apart and I can point to a hundred different actions she took that are, that are, that trigger me, I chose this experience. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what am I growing from it? What am I getting from it? And that's when you really get in and it gets hard, man. And you want to run away. I don't, I'm just speaking for myself. I always want to run away from that. Totally. Same. And, and it's, it's like, I think Ram Dass talked about, he's like, once you get really spiritual awake, you stop running from the fire and you, when you start to feel it, you turn into it because you recognize what's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't feel, it doesn't burn. It's just, you figure it out. And, um, uh, I don't know if how, how, how good I am at that other than what helped me with my relationship is that it mattered so much to me that I was willing to turn into the fire. But I don't know on a lot of other things, if there's not something at stake, I don't know. You know, it's very easy to just justify not turning into the fire. Well, I, yeah. I and mean, I feel like that's the, that's the value of uh, an intimate relationship the relationships with your kids, the relationship with your, your brothers. Like we will always do so much more for other people. We'll run into a burning house to save someone that we care about rather than run out if there's, there's nothing to, to really lose in there, right? So yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of it. And what, what I'm often really working on right now is to, to catch myself in not making something good or bad, you know, comparing myself. It's like, that's, that's such the human uh, limitations that I put on it. That's me judging myself, you know, versus just giving gratitude. And like I said, that's why I love what you've talked about so much with empathy, compassion, man, love at the end of the day, as cliche as it is, that tends to break down all walls in my humble opinion towards healing and towards, you know, that alignment with source or whatever you want to call it, you know? And I think that's you can even where... say love is source, right? It is consciousness, 100%. right? Yep. So yep. I totally agree yep. with you. And it's not cliche. It's only cliche because most people who say that are talking about conditional love, not mm-hmm. unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's a whole different animal. It's like, oh, love is great. I'll, I will give you my love. Oh, if there's always an if, as long as after mm-hmm. it, not mm-hmm. let me just be it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the couple tattoos that I have on my body are all, focused on God is love, that nothing is more important than love as a reminder that like in those moments of serious shit and triggerings, like my current girlfriend, there's something like, I'm like, man, do I want to just bolt out the door? I want to so be done right now. I'm like, no, like I hear Tony Robbins say, well, if you can't, then you must like, I can't, yeah, exactly. If you, think, if you think I can't do this right now, then that means you actually have to turn around, like you said, and face the fire, you know? And I, that's, I feel like, uh, that's a lot of what you've said, both on the podcast, but also what we've talked about offline a little bit is like a lot of your, a lot of the, the successes that you have, have been as a result and correct me if I'm wrong, because you've turned into the shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'll put it this way. So if I talk about it in terms of running, there's no evidence, like you can't perform a study that proves that training makes you faster. Mm. But we all know that if you want to, if you want to get stronger, like you want your arms to get stronger, you lift weights. And basically what you do is you work the muscles to exhaustion, you break them down and you grow back stronger as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to go run a marathon, I couldn't run a marathon right now. I couldn't even run that far right now based on what I've been training let alone as fast as I did two years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
But if I was to actually do the work, turn into the fire, I become better as a part of it. We know this with, we know this with, you know, what, what we put in our body. We know this with working out. We know this is working on our business. So it's the same thing with working through our, you know, our spiritual or our, our mental, you know, pathways or our ego. And um, so I, yeah. I totally agree with you as far as that goes. It's just, um, it's always, it's always a lot easier to talk about it than do it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, which is kind of the, the fun part, I guess, of life of like, well, you mentioned the word, sorry, you mentioned your word woke earlier. Like, I actually hate that word because I think anyone who talks about being woke these days is so far asleep. They're yeah. so deep in their ego, yeah. like they're totally missing the boat. And, um, you know, we, I prefer the word, actual word awake, right. Or awakening. And yeah. I think that we're all in that process, but, um, yeah, yeah it's, um, you know, in, anyway, that's just something that comes to mind. Well, yeah. Woke, awake and, and, uh, grind versus flow. Like I hate the whole, you know, I even have a, a shirt that's like says hustle harder that I still wear, but I'm like, uh, even to, every time I put on, I'm like, what am I maybe subconsciously <laughs> supporting myself well on? If I say hustle harder with so much of, I feel like, you know, my life is, it's challenging, it's hard. And, and I've met other people who are like, maybe it doesn't have to be so hard, man. Maybe, maybe. And what be- if, what if you just do shit? Yeah. And like, and like you said, it's not good or bad. It's just what in this moment, this is what I'm should be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's only a grind if I have resistance to it. And that totally. resistance is a preference. And like you said earlier, um, you know, I try to see things as not good or bad because the way our brains work is we take, it's like we take a photographic image. Life keeps moving in this direction. And we stop it right here. And then we say, is this good or bad? Mm-hmm. Like, when I went through this ugly thing with a, with a business breakup in that moment, I was saying, this is terrible. This is bad. I wanted to move on from that business relationship. I just didn't want it to move on in that way. Mm. And where I look at where I am a few years later in terms of feeling more aligned with what I'm doing, I have more balance in my life. I feel much better about every, like I'm really grateful. So now if I take a snapshot, that was good. Mm-hmm. And so you just, that's where these things come in, the, the, these words. And those are really egoic preferences. If you have mm-hmm. preference, then you're not as awake as you should be. And, mm-hmm. um, or, or not, not even as you should be. I don't know if you know Ram Dass, but he talks about, I'm tired of being shit upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I, I love that. But yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> that, it's those preferences. We've got to stop labeling things. And it just is. And whether it's good or bad is totally whether I have a preference for it or not. Yeah. But we don't, we don't know the scope of where things are ultimately leading Mm -hmm. and we don't our minds want to think if i'm here and i want to go here it it looks like that but it actually looks like this on our way there and you know we 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 make up stories that was bad this was good Mm -hmm. oh now it's good now it's bad it's like god you sound like jekyll and hyde or like you know like you're you're, it's like i sound like i'm i've got adh massive adhd because my emotions are all over the place it's good it's bad it's good it's bad Yeah, yeah what if we just go forward yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's pretty powerful. I, again, it's a lot of these things. Uh, again, it's not to say that it's uh, easier to say and harder to do, but I do feel like part of this human experience is to, um, it's just like the matrix, you know, it's the matrix is set up to, to show us that everything that is worth something requires some demand just like we're talking about a muscle requires demand in order for it to grow and yet then there's that next fourth or fifth dimensional aspect which is like no sometimes you know like love doesn't have any conditions 
it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't need to be hard. In fact, it's how we are wired, you know, but it is that balance. That's, it's a challenge. I think with this human experience of working through those things and, and even, even when we're experiencing something that is hard, still being able like, I, I love going to the gym, even though I kick my own ass every single time I go, you know, because I'm working on building muscle, but that's, you know, do I expect it to be easy? Uh, I don't know. Would I enjoy it so much if it were easy? I don't think so. Right. You want it to be easy, but you actually don't. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what level of preference are we talking about here? Right. Because yeah, yeah. just like, like I'm going to go run real hard this afternoon when I get off with you. And uh, well, I think that's what I'm going to do. I, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I used to be so hard about like, this is my plan. I'm sticking to it that I would yeah. be out of flow and that I would get injured. Mm. And so I'm going to go, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to go run and I'm going to let the experience come to me. I'm not training for yeah. anything right now. So I'm yeah. going to let it happen. Yeah. Ideally yeah. <laughs> I still work, struggle with this, but yeah, it's like, I know that if I run hard, the, 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 the endorphins that I feel afterwards are, I mean, it's unbelievable how good I feel versus if it's just, I go out and jog or whatever. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is going to be hard and it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or it's going to be, or it's going to be easy and it's yeah. not going to be as good. <laughs> yeah. 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 A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, and I'm kind of curious what, how fast, uh, do you have to average a mile to qualify for the Boston marathon? Boston. So Boston marathon is based on it's age graded, right? So if you're under 40, I think the qualifier was, um, under age, what it was, maybe it was under age 20 was three hours and five minutes. Um, and then they add like every five years, they add five minutes or whatever. When I qualified, I had to run three ten, um, and I ran two fifty seven. So it was 13 minutes under, which is like six forty five a mile. Damn. Wow. Um, and, but, but the thing is with Boston, just cause you hit the qualifier doesn't mean you get in. So like, like they, they have these things where, you know, at your age, let's say that your qualifying time was 310. And then you'll find out that you had to be, they say at like negative four minutes was the last person they let in, in that age group, because it's not, they let in a certain amount of people per age group. So that's why you see a variety of people running there. And it's actually super cool because you can have people in their sixties still deciding most likely they're not going to run as fast as they did in their twenties, but I want to go out there and com- so you know, cool. see if I can do this. hundred yeah. percent. I had to, uh, we always had a fitness test coming into soccer each year in college. We had to do two miles, uh, under 12 minutes, which to me was the Cooper's test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I'm when I played soccer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, to me, it was, it was lightning fast, but I, but I did it and I never thought I'd be able to do it. It's just funny how it, it just became like, you know, coaches, coaches new barometer of like, okay, if you want to play, you, you have to do this. So once he said, that, I was like, okay, well then I guess I'm going to, I guess I'll do it. Right. And it's probably the same type of thing. If, if this is the qualifier for, you know, marathon, Boston marathon, then I'm going to do it. You know, it just becomes a decision in your mind, but I cannot imagine running over 26 miles at a clip under seven, seven minutes a mile. That's amazing. How did you going back to your story? How did you get through that mile 23 when you were losing bodily functions? <laughs> not seeing straight. Um, well, I mean, I, I, the funny thing is, is so I, I was a middle distance runner in college, which is an 800 runner, which is 800 mile four by four, which the mile is not a distance event. Neither is the 800. That, that is, it's called middle distance for a reason. So, which means that people are like, Oh, you're a runner. I'm like, I was not a distance runner. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. Yeah. Um, so, but what, what that means for me is that um, 
at distance, the pace does not feel like it feels really slow. And so I have a tendency to, and a lot of people do this anyway in the marathon, I would have a tendency to be like, I am feeling great. I'm in way better shape than I thought. And so I'll speed up. But then, you know, you do that. And then around, you know, this isn't like, like if you're running a 5k or even a 10k and you're like, oh, I went out too fast. I'm going to suffer for the last mile. That's six minutes of suffering. Mm -hmm. You go out too fast in the marathon, you're like, I'm going to suffer for 45 minutes, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole different world. And so what inevitably happens to me in those without or a half marathon is somewhere I'm like, I feel ridiculously easy. And then somewhere around mile 18, I mean, at mile at the half mile, half marathon mark, I'm like, dude, I, I don't even feel like I've, I've ran anything. But then about mile 18, like I started, like all of a sudden I'm in the middle, I start getting chills in my body, like wave, mm. they come in waves mm. and I start to feel my hip flexors get a little heavy. And then I'm like, uh oh, I got mm-hmm. I got eight miles to go, yeah. um, and so um, I, I just think that with a lot of experience with um, pushing my body really hard cardiovascularly, like um, that, I, I, you, you you raise your tolerance for how far you can go into it. Mm-hmm. But the problem for me now is in my forties is um, with not you know going through phases of training harder, whatever is. I'm now at the point where mentally I, 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 my body can't take the punishment basically that it could when I was 23 or 24. Right. So, so I, so I now actually have to sort of be like, okay, dude, it is, I know it doesn't feel that hard, but you need to back off. Like, Mm -hmm. because you're, 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 instead of approaching that line, you're going to go from here to immediately past it. Right. So I think it was just, I mean, I slowed way down. I, I ran really slow for the last three miles. I was running much faster at that point. And I just, you know, I mean, I just tried to convince myself. I'm like, I went from like, what am I doing with my life? This isn't even fun. And then I started going like, that's my ego trying to talk me out of it. That's my self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And then I started going, what the fuck are you talking about, Adrian? Like you spent, you spent five months training for this, right? Um, you know, like I started thinking about how much money I paid and even like stupid things. Like <laughs> you bought these shoes just to run it. Like, yeah. what, you know, like, yeah. like, so I started trying to go back to everything that I had, not the sacrifices because I enjoyed it, but the time I put into it to just, and then you just got to take it in bite-sized chunks. It's like, okay, man, you it's just try to make it to that car. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll just make it around that turn. You got to be close now. Um, mm. And um, it's, but it was a struggle. I mean, it was really a struggle. And I did, I crossed the line and then like, I'm, I mean, I was, I didn't go to the medical tent, but I was definitely, I couldn't regulate my temperature pretty much for the rest of the day. I was freezing cold for the rest mm. of the day. And, um, you know, so that's, but that's me realizing like, maybe um, I should, I don't know, either train harder so that gets easier or just realize like, maybe you don't have to go that far into the bad place. Like yeah. I could have qualified for Boston and ran eight minutes slower. So yeah, would yeah. have been easier. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's certainly a balance um, of, of figuring out how are you tricking yourself and are you also tricking yourself into pushing yourself too hard? And mm. um, I, I don't know, man, I, I, I don't think I have that figured out, um, but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I love about that too is though, we, we talked about this again before we popped on and hit record, um, but you, fo- you were mentioning how you've been focusing 
setting up your life to where it's, you know, fulfillment first and success, if you will, secondary. Um, and I think it's the same type of thing, like for, for the whole concept of grind and hustle and all that stuff. If, if that's all, if that's a space where you live your life, where you're redlining constantly and every single workout you do, you redline and everything you do is just, you know, there's going to be a cost to that, you know? Um, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's worth it quite honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I look at it like, like, what is my goal now? And I think my ultimate goal always should have been to be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes happy being happy requires sacrifice and it requires like accomplishing things. It quite requires like pushing yourself. Um, and I also look back to like when I was grinding, I think three years in a row, I was traveling for business on my middle son's birthday. Mm-hmm. And I remember him and do I think had I not done what I realized is had I not gone on that trip for that day, did, did those trips, did they, did they add any, any lasting value to my business? Meaning if had I skipped them would, would, would have, maybe it would have cost me a little bit of business, but marginally, right. Like I don't think it added as much as what I gave up to get it because I was grinding and, yeah. and, and more importantly, like, you know, all of a sudden I went back to feeling like a kid and be like, my God, how would I feel if I was, my dad, but you know, and, and that was a choice I made because I ran my own business. And so recognizing like, I don't, I, I, I would regret not being there in the future. And I don't think that choice was worth it. So um, I think, I think ultimately being there for my son or the birthday would have brought me more happiness, even if, even if it brought me less money in the process. So, um, so yeah, it's been an opportunity to just redefine that. And, you know, I'm in a phase right now where I'm very busy. I'm busier than I want to be, but I'm also like working on saying no to some things and just saying like, no, I, I, I won't take that on because I'm my, my, my mental and emotional well-being is suffering. I'm not working out as much. I'm not eating as well as I should. I'm spending less time with my family. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, but part of that too also comes down to like, how do you live your life financially? What are you doing in your personal financial life that is allowing you to I mean, if, if you're being an idiot with how you're spending money and, and doing things that, you know, and you don't have an emergency fund and your, your income is right where your expenses are right where your income is, you don't have a choice on these things. Mm-hmm. And um, if you keep your income, you know, your expenses within check and you don't buy into the, the myths that all this crap that we buy is going to make us happy and fulfilled. And, I'm, you know, if you have a nicer car, you're going to look cool. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying the nice car, but at what mm-hmm. cost are you doing this, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you buy into that myth, or if you don't buy into that, you're in a position where you can step back and say, you know what, this is unfulfilling. Like I need to do something else. I can make different choices mm-hmm. and I, and it's okay if I make a little bit less money. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found though, the weird thing is, is like, I've had some ridiculous opportunities come across my path in the last year, which I wasn't, it's like, I started pushing less and it's like it created space for these other amazing things to come in. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's, it's weird how it works, but I just think, um, I just think it's a question everyone should ask. Like, do I want to be happy? And sometimes people hide behind, Oh, I want to be happy. So I'm not going to work hard. I want to be happy. So I'm not going to make money. And then they complain about not being able to do some of the things they want. And that's not the balance. And then other people are workaholics and they're not happy no matter what they do. And so we're, I'm not saying the pendulum should be here or here. I'm trying to find where it's in the middle for me. hundred percent. 100%. And I think about that too, in terms of people that I've worked with, because I, I started a gym in 2010 and had uh, gyms for five years and health coached for 
eight of the last 11 years. And, um, you know, you have people on either side of the pendulum, people who don't want to work hard, don't want to lose weight. Don't, uh, you know, there's a huge cost there. My, my, I've seen my parents, you know, struggle through that. My mom passed away from her, you know, bad health. But then you see the people on the other end of the spectrum who are competitive bodybuilders or figure competitors. They have no social life. They can't go out. They, they're always eating chicken, rice, and broccoli. You know, they focus so much of their, their image and their time invested into time in the gym. You know, it's just like, ah, this is why I feel like coming all back around full circle, why personal growth is so important because those are things that are being set up by our childhood wounds. Let's just say, you know, yeah. shit going on in the past that drives us to do. And I think that's why you have to ask the question like, why, why do I do, why am I doing what I'm doing? And is this truly important? Am I, is it really important that I'm missing my son's birthday for the third year in a row, you know, and, uh, and to check in with that. Cause I think you're right. It's reframing it, which is why I think ultimately, um, we haven't even really talked about it, but why someone could very well, especially if they're struggling with their personal financing, have a coach like you, right? Because that's what you do, personal finance coaching to help people, not only with the, the practical side of say strategy and tools, you know, for figuring out budgeting and everything else, but also to really figure out their, their mindset, right? About yeah, yeah, abundance and wealth, correct? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think one of our biggest wounds is our relationship with money and Mm -hmm. what, what, what we're trying to do with our childhood wounds to heal, um, what void we're trying to fill. Yeah. Um, I I also think that personal finance by design in our culture is not taught, um, at all. I'm going to give you an example. I got a degree in genetics from UC Davis, um, a science degree. And when I went to the university of California to get this, like I had to have take topical breath courses so they wouldn't let me at that point just go get a science degree. I had to take sociology and like mm. any some a couple of things that ended in studies, which were just weird classes, right? And I had to take like I had, there, there was a handful of classes that had nothing to do with my major, right? And but there was not one class offered on personal finance at the at one of the best you know top fifty universities in the country, yeah, higher crazy. education. And what was also interesting is the day you walk onto campus at the Morrill Union in the middle of school. They have 25 booths lined up with people giving away free t-shirts for a credit card. Mm. So to rent, to get a booth on campus, you have to pay the university. So the university was allowing people to profit from putting kids into debt. And these are smart people that are talking about higher education. They get paid hundred thousands dollars a year to, to yeah. alter the course of the university, no personal finance. And, and why is that? And I think it's, it's by design. Yep. Um, so these are one of the things we have to seek, but it's, it's, um, it, it's exactly like you said, we, we, we are, we are covering up some of our childhood wounds by, by what people call retail therapy or yeah. um, impulse yeah. buying. And, and, and we do this, what I can see the biggest things, people do this right now in a service-based culture with eating out, coffee, Amazon. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how, I've, I mean, I have somebody today, I showed them that like their Chick-fil-A budget could be worth $3 million to them in retirement and retiring, you know, 10 years <laughs> earlier. And so then it's like, I ask you, I'm like, I'm like, is that cheeseburger worth or chicken? Is that, is that worth $3 million to you? Like, yeah. she's like, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, of course not. And that's, that's fine. Fine. And so I think it is really important because these are our wounds. Like you say, they seep into all areas of our life. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us, some of us become, but some of us go into finance and become Nazis where they're like, I'm not spending anything. I'm saving everything for the future. Future never comes dude. Like, and, or, but most people are on the other side where they're, so in the now, though, they're like, I don't make enough money. I can't save money. 
And what I tell people all the time is that I say, listen, man, making more money will not solve any of your problems. Mm-hmm. And well, making more money won't change any of your habits. It's only going to amplify whatever your habits are. So if you have bad habits now and you start double your income, they're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you an example, like Charlie Sheen, when he's on two and a half men, making like 20 million a year. When he started, got, when he started making 20 million a year, did he check himself into rehab? No, he stopped buying a freaking eight ball of Coke off the street and started having his dealer bring him $10,000 worth to his house, right? The guy's rookie didn't kill himself. Um, So that's obviously kind of an extreme example, but it's it's like this. I see this all the time. People make more money. They think they don't make enough money. All problems will be solved if I make Mm -hmm. more money. No, it won't. That's why professional athletes go broke. Mm -hmm. They don't have, you know, that doesn't change your habits. And it translates these same concepts we're talking about translate to every area of your life. Hundred percent. And and some of us see them clear in, in some areas of our life, but they um I think all these things are important to create ultimately peace of mind and freedom to choose what what you ultimately want to do and what brings you joy and happiness and you know pursue that. And sometimes pursuing joy and happiness means that you gotta you gotta buckle down and, and work hard and and go to the bad place and get scared for a little while. Um, and sometimes it means that you get to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. And I feel like there's a reason why the vast majority of people's go-to objections are, I don't have the time or the money, you know, which like you said is, is points to why it's probably one of our bigger wounds, you know? So for, for those of you who are listening or watching this on YouTube, um, if you really do have challenges with, personal finance and, and it's out of control as if uh, is maybe similar to someone who just can't resist at the, at the buffet, the old country buffet, you know, and they're just loading up their plate uh, for first and seconds and thirds, man. Like it's, I think Adrian is the type of guy who you need in your corner to help kind of realign. And, uh, and like I said, it's, it's very clear. And I hope now that you've heard him talk for an hour, he's got both sides of the coin, the success coin side of the coin and the fulfillment. So you get both sides, right? It's not just becoming rich. It's about truly what is wealth and abundance, right? In life. And it's, it is time. And a lot of times money can buy you time and options, you know, um, which is, which is pretty powerful. So Man, we could talk you forever. Yeah, go for it. So you, just, you mentioned time and I don't have time, I don't have money. One of the things I was always aware of very quickly early in my life is I would never use either of those as an excuse for anything. Mm. Because if you don't have time and you have money, those are that's because of personal choices. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have time, why don't you have time? What have you chosen to do with your time? What do you, not only like how many, you know, how much time are you spending on Facebook or sitting on the toilet scrolling, but but beyond that. What path have you chosen that has taken so much time for you to earn money or live or family? And how is that going to change if you don't do something different? And the same thing with money. I don't have money. Why not? I mean, is it because you don't make enough or because you suck with the money that you do have? And it's okay. Like one of the, I've been coaching a lot of people recently and they're like, I got to get better. I'm like, no, you don't. You just need to start planning for what you suck at now. I'm like, stop. I'm, I'm 40. I'm 43. There's plenty of things I'm never going to get better at right now. And if I'm wise, I'll realize I suck at this, so I'm going to trick myself so I can still suck at it and get ahead. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, when I made a lot of money in some of my businesses in the past, and I, I did some wise things with it, and I did some really stupid things with it. And, um, and at one point, several years ago, I was like, I have no emergency fund, and I can't believe after looking at the money I'd made where my finances were at. And I'm like, and that was just keeping up with the Joneses. Nice. I mean, I, I had a big old house, nice car, but I was, I was just broke at a higher level. 
And I'm like, this has got to change. I need to start building an emergency fund. But whenever I put money in my savings, I'd inevitably spend it. So instead of saying I'm going to do better this time, I tricked myself. I opened up my emergency fund at a local credit union that I didn't have a DATM card for. When I would transfer money there, I didn't see it from what I paid my bills out of. So I knew I had it, but it made it a little bit harder for me to get to. So if I was to go there and try to pull it out to go buy a TV at Costco, like it was literally like to me driving down the street, combing the street for my dealer. I started to feel like this is stupid. It was enough of a buffer mm-hmm. that I didn't go spend the money. And so that's what I mean. Like, like sometimes in life, you just got to plan for what you suck at, man. Like, like I can't resist spicy nacho cheese Doritos. So I just don't tell my wife, don't ever buy them because if they're in the house, <laughs> I'll eat the whole bag. Yeah. Yeah. I spent years, bro, saying, no, this time I'll do, I'll need a couple and I, I yeah. can do it. Yeah. And then I didn't buy them for like six years. Last year I bought, I saw them on sale somewhere and I bought two bags. <laughs> I didn't need anything but spicy Doritos, nacho cheese Doritos for two days. Yeah. And I'm like, you clearly have not gotten any better at this. Yeah, yeah. So just don't buy it, right? Like, so yeah. plan for what you suck at. It, well, and it, it's the ego that wants wants to be like, no, I can do this. I, I, I can do this this time. Or, or you know what? Like, I've been doing so well on this diet. Um, I, I think I can do a cupcake. I'll just get right back on the diet, man. We 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 trick ourselves or we lie to ourselves so easily, you know. Especially when it comes man, to if consumption. And if I could only do one cupcake, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah. do that. I can't either. I follow, yeah. <laughs> I'll just eat the box of cupcakes. Yeah. And yeah. Then... It's like, what, why not? You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely kind of like the fat kid in the candy shop for me too, when it comes to home baked goods. Um, well, what I was going to say is like, if, if people want to reach out to you and connect and, and just chat a little more about their current financial situation, maybe get you to do a little bit of an audit, that sort of thing. How can they connect with you or where, where should they go? So a lot of the consulting I'm doing right now, like I've been, I've been really busy just sort of generating um, clients through my network. So I don't even have like a specific website that talks about any of this stuff. I mean, yeah. best way to reach me would be probably through Facebook. Yeah. Um, but if you're on Facebook, I mean, I'm sure you can see my name here. There's only one Adrian Imro in the entire world. <laughs> um, so, so you can request me as a friend, send me a message. However, I do have a second page, which is like a fan page, which I never check. Like you'll want to message me on like the non-fan page. Yeah. Um, you can connect with me there. Um, that's one of the best ways to do it. Cool. Um, I can get, and uh, it's probably the best way. So just send me a friend request and a message there. And um, I'd love to connect with you guys. If we can help you in any way, we certainly will. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, I definitely want to keep chatting about this stuff and you know going forward just for me personally as well. But um, dude, we could chat forever and ever. But I really appreciate uh, the time and your enthusiasm and your transparency with, with all the work that you've done and just the humility of saying, yeah, I've I've done well here. I've been in the shit here, and I'm better for it. You know, and I think that's that's what the world needs more of: leaders who are not saying that like, Oh, I'm the guru. I've got all my shit figured out, you know? Um, but it makes it a lot more attainable for, for those of us that are still working on. Be- yeah. The word better. that comes to mind for me is being authentic. And, yeah. um, I definitely still struggle with that at times, but I think like it's 2021, man, we, we know everybody is good at things and everybody sucks at some things. Right. Mm-hmm. So the more honest and transparent we can be, I think the more that, that creates connection, like we've been talking about anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you, brother. Uh, so much. Thank you guys for, for listening. Definitely reach out to Adrian. Um, it's, it's worth the, worth the effort. And if you're feeling scared to, that's almost more of the reason that you need to, you know, um, if you don't have any energy about it, then so be it. But if you do feel some energy come up when you like, yeah, that's, that's the calling. That's a little tug on your heart to reach out to him. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Johnny. It's great to chat with you. And um, I know we've talked on the phone, but it's great to put a face in the name and to just yeah. appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, likewise. Likewise, man. Um, but thank you guys, as always, uh, for checking out the, the Johnny King Show. And hit up Adrian. If you have any questions, feel free to, to shoot him a message or me, and I can forward it on to him. And until uh, we meet again, thanks for listening. Take care. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.